Hi there, we're your IP consultants. This is about to be highly indulgent. So sit back and unpack your anti-convulsants. And we'll tell you where to shove your Stanleys and Vulcans. We'll use this device for unsolicited advice. You didn't ask us for it, but you can't beat the price. We offer up our services from the U.S. to Sweden. We're your IP consultants, Vincent and Ian. True or false? We're the IP consultants. Uh, that is true. My name is Ian. That is false. Your name is Ian. My name is Ian, and your name is Vincent, I think? True. <laughs> I got it right. And today we're going to talk about Hitman. Yeah. So the Hitman uh, video game franchise, uh, to be more specific. It is a video game franchise. True. There are many movies that have Hitman in the title. There's Diary of a Hitman, and there's the Hitman's Bodyguard. Yeah, but there's two movies based on the... Yes, but there are actually two movies that are based on the video game franchise. The second one is a reboot, is that true? The second one is technically a reboot, yes. Okay. Even though it came out... Let's see, the first one was in 2007, and then the second one was in 2015. Like, eight years later, they rebooted it, and uh, both of them are bad they're not good movies. That's what I heard, and I figured the reboot was probably because the first one was bad. Yes. And then apparently they didn't do it right the second time either, so... And here's the thing. The first one's not 100% terrible. It has one or two decent moments. The second one is completely buttfuck ridiculous. And somehow, the reboot did worse it's got a even lower score on Rotten Tomatoes than the first one does. The first one's like a 17% on Rotten Tomatoes, and the second one is like a 9 or an 8. <laughs> it's pretty terrible. The problem that they should have corrected when making the reboot is not hiring the same writer. But they hired the same writer from the first Hitman movie to write the reboot movie. That's not very smart. No, it really isn't. So it falls into a lot of the same traps that they fell into with the first movie. So let's break down what exactly Hitman is for the uninitiated. Well, before we do that, the reason why I started this off with true or false is because I have not done any research for this. <laughs> I have not played the games. I have not watched the movies. I don't know if there are any novels or comic books or anything else based on this IP. There are. Okay. This was why I was going to do a true or false to run over basically all the things I know, think I know, and definitely don't know about this IP <laughs> because there's very little I know. I know it's a hitman. I'm guessing the hitman is very good at being a hitman. Yes. Uh, he is genetically bred to be a hitman. <laughs> oh, well, that's... That, that's that checks out. So, uh, the hitman wears a suit. Yes, a black suit, red tie. And is bald. An iconic look. He is bald, not because he shaves his head, he cannot grow hair. Is this alopecia, or is this... It's either alopecia, or it's just because of the genetic cloning. I'm not certain. Okay, now, from this new revelation that I had no idea about this whole genetic aspect of 
Because that that opens up another door here. There's a comic book by Rob Schraub called Scud the... Scud the Disposable Assassin. Yeah. Scud the Disposable Assassin is, I think, I haven't read it. Again, no research. It's about... (laughs) You get from a vending machine, you get a hitman, right? Yes. And you get this robot hitman... And Scud becomes sentient, and once he's done his job, he doesn't want to go back in the vending machine. Right. So, if I understand it right, what Scud does is keeps the target alive so that he won't have to go back to the vending machine or be destroyed or whatever it is. Exactly. Uh, So he keeps taking other jobs in order to pay for to keep the original target alive. Is that? Yeah, that's that's basically true. Yes. Okay, so that that's pretty much all I know about that IP. Different assassin. Are there any particular similarities or differences between these two IPs? Pretty much the only similarity is that they're both assassins, essentially. Okay. The Hitman franchise focuses around one particular Hitman, the titular Hitman, also known as Agent 47. He has no name. He is just a number. He has a barcode on the back of his head, which... Uh, (laughs) when they made that to a definition that people could read and scan led to a sex toy on Amazon (laughs) that they quickly corrected so that now when you scan it, it just comes up one hitman. Um, (laughs) that's a nice little Easter egg. But, uh, yeah, so it, it revolves around agent I'm reading from Wikipedia here just to get it. For clarification, the story revolves around Agent 47, a cloned assassin for hire whose flawless record places him in high demand among the wealthy and elite. Basically, he works for the International Contract Agency, or ICA, has a handler named Diana who always gives him his mission briefings, and he goes about fulfilling his contracts in any means necessary. Now, in the games, if you do it more silently, or if you don't have any people alerted to your presence, there's no loud gunshots or explosions heard, or things like that, if you make things look like accidents even, that is where the the real skill of the game comes in, and that gives you your silent assassin ranking. And we've had two Hitman movies. We've had Hitman with Timothy Oliphant as 47, and we've had Hitman Agent 47 with, I think his name is Friend. His last name is Friend mm. as the titular Hitman. And they have an agency that overlooks what the Hitman does. But these are primarily action movies. And the games, while they have action in them, are primarily stealth games. These are games where... Rupert Friend, I just looked it up. Rupert Friend, that's his name. That was the guy who played Agent 47. That's the one piece of research I've done. (laughs) (laughs) And you just did it just as we were podcasting. But yeah, so you know that there's an overworking agency. You hear a little bit of his handler in one of the movies, but 47's interaction with Diana is kind of a key element of the games. Stealth is a key element of the games. He watches his targets. He picks the best way to go about his assassinations and I think that would be a better movie to watch than just some dumb action guns a-blazing thing because the only time you go guns a-blazing in the games is when something goes awry. (laughs) You know, you don't pull out the silver ballers to take down enemies until oops, I goofed And sometimes you can blame that on controls. (laughs) I've played through the two most recent Hitman games, which, while they are the sixth and seventh game in the series, they are called Hitman and Hitman 2, because they were technically a soft reboot of the series. Mm. But those have excellent control, lots of great strategy, and lots of different ways 
specifically to go about taking out your targets. You have different challenges in each mission to do it different ways. Oh, I can wear this disguise. That's another thing that they do a lot in the games and have done maybe once in both movies is 47 when he's trying to infiltrate any specific area will knock somebody out and take their clothes to disguise himself to get past security checkpoints. If he realizes that he's been caught on camera, he'll destroy the video equipment so that there's no record of him being in the area. And these are all elements that would be, I think, more fascinating to watch than just giant shootouts. Both of the Hitman movies have basically said Agent 47 has screwed up an assassination mission, and now the agency is trying to kill him, which, no. (laughs) Agent 47 is too good. He wouldn't screw up a mission unless it's player error, and even then, he still gets the mission done, and the game moves on. So, having the agency try to take out the Hitman, that works in other Hitman storylines, that are not based on the Hitman game IP. Mm. You know, things like the Hitman's Bodyguard or, you know, Diary of a Hitman or things of that nature. Those work for those characters. I haven't seen those movies. Hitman's Bodyguard is a comedy and they actually have a sequel to it coming out. It's a really fun movie, but it's, again, not based on this particular IP. This particular IP, it's going against the character. A couple of Hitman movies that I've definitely seen are Mr. Right, which is kind of, if you take a classic romantic musical and you take out the musical and you put in a Hitman. And that's got Anna Kendrick and Sam Rockwell. Yeah. The other movie that I recall seeing fairly recently, actually two movies I've I've seen recently, John Wick and John Wick 2. Is John Wick 3? John Wick Chapter 3 has a trailer out, comes out later this year. Right. So John Wick is kind of, if you take a Bugs Bunny cartoon, you take out Bugs Bunny and the cartoon and you put in a Hitman. So that's how I felt about to shoot him up. But because uh... <laughs> really, I mean, if you look at what the story of John Wick is or what the format of John Wick is, it's like... He's just minding his own business, hanging out in his rabbit hole, and then some hunter or cowboy shows up and starts giving him trouble that he didn't ask for, and then he retaliates over the top. Like, that's Bugs Bunny, but with a hitman. Um, well, so, well, the plot for the first John Wick, someone kills his dog. He's re- he's a retired hitman. Yeah, exactly. Somebody kills him dog. Yeah. I don't think anything he did was over the top. That is a justifiable reaction <laughs> for killing your dog, which is why I haven't seen John Wick, by the way, because there's harm to a dog in it. I'm not going to watch it. It's over the top in comparison to how most people would respond. Most people wouldn't go to the lengths that he goes to, and that's kind of the draw of those movies. I mean, I guess. And the draw of <laughs> Bugs Bunny is uh, he also goes above and beyond the call of whatever in retaliating to to unprovoked fuckery. So <laughs> unprovoked fuckery. <laughs> looking at these two uh, Hitman IPs that I have seen, I'm seeing this thing of like you put a Hitman in a format that already exists and you go, uh, let's put a Hitman in this. So if, if you were to describe the Hitman games or what you think the Hitman games could be adapted into in terms of a format that you put a Hitman into. Yeah, um, the two Hitman movies that exist that are based on this IP are very much strictly action movies. There's a little bit of intrigue, but it's not well written. The games, the overarching plot behind all of your contract assassinations is either something going on with who else 
is a clone. Like I said, he's a genetically engineered clone bred for killing. And there have been other people that he was trained with. Just 47 just happens to be the best. And who else made it out of where he was trained? There is a name for it. I suddenly cannot think of the name of it. <laughs> but having more intrigue of that. And also, a lot of the contracts in the games are linked together. They're linked through a storyline, too. And we don't see him doing interesting kills in the movie. We don't see him doing interesting contracts in the movie. We just see him being very skilled with weapons. A lot of the cool parts of the games is him doing kills and people not knowing he was there. Make that the focus of the movie, man. He's a mysterious figure who performs contracts to take out really shitty people. People have hired him to take out people who are a problem. So, you've got this actor in an opera. This is one of the missions I just played in Hitman Blood Money again. There's this actor in an opera, and he is kind of involved in this pedophilia ring. He likes little girls and little boys, and he's an actor in an opera, and he has a friend who is in the balcony who kind of funds his predilections. And his friend is sitting there watching these dress rehearsals of the opera. But in the opera, the actor is killed on stage by a gun. So you sneak downstairs into the green room, and you replace the prop gun with a real weapon. And then you climb all the way upstairs to the rafters where the lights are, and you put a small explosive over where the chandelier is. And then when the actor is killed on stage by the other actor, his friend comes running down to see him and trips. And then you trigger the explosion and you drop a chandelier on them and both targets are taken out with it looking like an accident. Mm. You know, somehow a prop gun gets changed to a real gun, a chandelier falls and kills the other man, your targets are taken out, nobody knows you were there, you silently escape. I'm sensing a bit of a like a backwards Sherlock Holmes thing yeah. where part of the fun is sort of clever porn, if that makes sense. <laughs> Where instead of showing someone figuring out how the crime was done, it's somebody doing the thing and cleaning up after themselves in a sense in some like elaborate fashion. Yeah. Is that fair to say? A lot of the overarching story of Hitman Blood Money is there's this older agent describing to a newspaper guy what these hits were. And, you know, the first one you do is you're taking out two drug magnates who have everything disguised as, oh, no, they just sell wine. And, you know, the guy was like, somebody whacks two guys who sell wine and that's a story. And he goes, no, the bigger story is the fact that they were actually selling drugs. It was a drug cartel and they got taken out by this mysterious man that nobody's seen. And it's also linked to this story. And the through line of that game is, you know, finding out that the hitman has been all over the world. Agent 47 has been everywhere fulfilling these contracts and is still a ghost. Nobody has actually seen him because disguises or he's a silent assassin or moves quickly and is unseen and makes things look like accidents. But in actuality, we may have figured out that these kills may not have been accidents, you know? I'm sensing a couple more uh, references in terms of, like, connecting dots between pop culture concepts. I'm sensing a little bit of Ocean's Eleven. A little bit. It's like a heist movie, but with assassinations. Yeah. <laughs> Body heist. I'm sensing a little bit of the talented Mr. Ripley or Catch Me If You Can, which I haven't seen. Yeah. Well, Catch Me If You Can is great. But yeah, a, a little bit in that it's a movie more about intrigue than 
action set pieces. It's a movie more about the action is the hits, but they're not big blockbuster action type hits. There are explosions, sure, in certain different missions, but that's not really the focus of the game. The focus of the game is stealth and figuring out how to take out these targets because you play as the hitman. In the movie, I don't think you would, like, you're not saying this guy's a hero, obviously. He's not I mean, he he might be the protagonist of the movie, but he's not a good guy, but he's following what his job is. I mean, most Hitman movies, movies, movies about Hitman, like Hitman's Bodyguard or Diary of Hitman or John Wick, they know that this guy's not a good guy. He kills people for a living. That's not a good thing, but they don't really try to over glorify that. There's a TV show on HBO called Barry about this hitman who kind of gets disillusioned with being a hitman. And so he tries acting. That's a common theme in these yeah. hitman things. It's a thing in both uh, John Wick and in Mr. Right. Yeah. The whole thing of like, I wanted to quit. Yeah. And you motherfuckers keep dragging me into it. And that's not ever been a theme in the games. 47 doesn't want to quit. This is all he knows. Right. This is all he's been bred to know. This is all he's been doing since he was a child, basically. A lot of the storylines, though, do take a little bit of, let's look at his past. Let's see how he became bred for this. But all of the movies really miss, like, the key points of the character being... He's unfeeling. He feels no remorse for what he does because he is engineered to be this killing machine. Right. And everything is a job for him. Everything that he does. And I'm, I'm reading a, a Hitman novel, uh, Enemy Within, which I think is loosely based on the Hitman Absolution game. And it delves a lot more into a story deeper than most games would because all the elements it describes in it, you wouldn't want to play through. But it gets you... A, different character perspectives on what hitman's doing and all the stuff like that i keep calling him hitman it's i should call him 47 but so it's not introspective in terms of like exploring what agent 47 is going through and questioning things and stuff like that it's none of that not in that sense no and the movies try to do that in both movies he picks up a female sidekick the first movie he picks up a woman who he was supposed to kill and instead befriends her and tries to rescue her, which is slightly similar to, I think, Absolution. Absolution is one I haven't played. It was on PS3, and they just remastered it for PS4. I haven't played that one yet. That sounds kind of like a Doctor Who type thing. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, yes. His companion that helps him kill. And there's also kind of that similar thread line in the second movie, Hitman Agent 47, where he picks up a female who's supposed to be killing him, or he's supposed to kill, and doesn't kill, and instead rescues there's no there's no rescues in these there's other agents for ICA that you rescue the next mission i'm about to do in hitman blood money is there's an agent in there that you have to give like something that makes it seem like his heart is stopped to make him seem like he's dead so you can get the body out of there right and you have to assassinate other targets as well as get your agent out and that's the other thing the agency is kind of this cloak and dagger covert agency but they're the ones who get the missions to 47 in the other movies they're there but it doesn't really focus on the agency and i think either focusing more on how 47 came to be bred to do what he does or focusing on the agency people like diana like the new games hitman and hitman 2 really do focus a lot on an overarching plot with what's going on at ICA, how he got trained through ICA, because he was bred to be an assassin before joining ICA. And your first mission is basically a training mission at ICA to become a hitman for their company. Right. And 
Diana becomes his handler and they're looking more into who he is and what ICA does. And that overarching plot within those two games, I think, would make a better movie than the movies that we've had. I have to jump in with something because I'm still doing research and I'm a little bit distracted by it because I'm, oh, sure. I'm looking at IMDb and apparently the writer of the first Hitman movie and the first draft of the second Hitman movie <laughs> is... Yeah, guess what he wrote? His name is Skip Woods. And he wrote X-Men Origins Wolverine and A Good Day to Die Hard. Two movies that are (laughs) not good. (laughs) Not good. No, they are not good movies. And they hired him to write these Hitman movies. Yeah. Yeah. Skip Woods. So I guess for a piece of IP consultancy, just speaking as someone who hasn't seen these movies, but has seen other movies and is now hearing these reports, don't hire Skip Woods to write your movie about an IP. Yeah, no, don't do that. Because he's written about IPs that we've actually covered. And uh, yeah, we have said that those are the weakest entries. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, uh, apparently he wrote Swordfish as well. That's also an awful movie. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, (laughs) in terms of the protagonist, is... Agent 47, the protagonist of Hitman, as you see it. He is the player character. If you were going to adapt Hitman to some other medium, would you have Agent 47 as the protagonist? I don't know if I would have him as the protagonist because he's not a hero. He's not a good guy. He's not somebody that should be emulated. A protagonist doesn't have to be a good guy. It just has to be someone who we're seeing the experience through. No, we'll still see the experience of Hitman, but I think the protagonist would be somebody who's trying to document what he's doing. Somebody who's trying to put the pieces together like a newsman or something like that. Somebody who works for a newspaper or for a television agency or maybe a CIA agent who is trying to put the pieces together of these people who died in this vineyard here in Colombia also happened to be connected somehow to the actor in the opera who passed away in a mysterious accident. You know, this is somebody else trying to put the pieces together. And every time that he's trying to put pieces together, we're focusing in on another hit that 47 is doing and then have him be the through line trying to make all the connective tissue for these come together. Right. So you're thinking of something more in the line of a detective story, not necessarily with a detective, but yeah, where basically Agent 47 is sort of the big question mark. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Because he is a mysterious character, even though we've had seven games. We know very little about 47 himself. We know, yes, he was genetically bred to be an assassin. He comes from some sort of orphanage that I cannot think of the name of. There's a lot of names for like the different labs and different agencies that are involved (laughs) beyond ICA and where Agent 47 was cloned. Because we don't really know what we're looking at in terms of concepts. Just off the top of your head, if you were going to pitch a hitman adaptation for some medium, what medium would you first go for? Would you go for like a movie, a series, uh, an animated series, a novel, musical? What is the thing that you would <laughs> that you would want to see based on this IP? Most people would probably want a movie because that's usually what we talk about on this show. We do often say maybe it's better adapted for a TV series. And given the nature of the games, especially the recent games, each mission is its own episode, basically, in the games. And that's 100% true of the most recent two games. The first Hitman, basically the sixth Hitman game, but the first new Hitman game of the reboots, just called Hitman, was released episodically. 
Not all the parts of the game came out at once. You would got a mission every two months, basically. And then when Hitman 2 came out, which is essentially Hitman Season 2, it was released all on one disc, but every mission is still basically an episode. And the way the other games are structured, each hit puts you in a different locale. So maybe doing it as a Netflix series or something like that, doing it as a TV series, and each episode is a different hit a different contract for Agent 47, but the overarching through line to make it episodic is the storyline that surrounds each of those targets. Okay, so a thing that comes up when you adapt something to a series, a thing that has come up many times with that is when you make a series, you often want to have a main set, a place where you shoot most of the stuff, because obviously you can't be shooting in different places every episode every scene all, all over the place <laughs> there's a central yeah, hub sure. somewhere so is would you say like the places that you would primarily have as the main sets of this show would be like the the agency and whoever is looking for 47 yeah i would say the main sets would be of the detective news person what have you CIA agent, whatever, who's trying to put the pieces together of connecting the killings. ICA would be a central location wherever Diana is, his handler. And 47 in Blood Money has a hideout that is somewhere. We don't know where it is, but it looks like a dingy basement underground. He's got a shooting gallery at the end of it, and he gets his mission briefings on little cards that he plugs into a little PDA surface <laughs> tablet. It was well before the Surface Pro came out, but uh, it's basically a, it's a little tablet. It's a little flip screen thing that he puts a little memory card in to get his mission briefings. And, you know, he does that at his hideout location. You don't see that in the later games, but you do see ICA. You do see that some of the locales where he goes to do his contracts, ICA will put him into, and, you know, he gets a cover story, like there's a mission at an exclusive, not really a hospital, but a, a resort for uh, health and well-being that's in uh, the Japanese mountains, and he's given a cover of being a certain businessman, so he's, you know, in different attire because he's already there and he has a cover of being this person in order to take out somebody else who's at that exclusive establishment because it's heavily guarded. So he has to have a cover for getting in. Right. But, you know, that's given through ICA and he can get his credentials from ICA and go on his way. So yeah, I think mostly it's the main locales that would be standard sets would be ICA would be wherever who's trying to figure out the connective tissue and I guess just a centralized hideout where 47 goes. But because of the nature of the style of the story, maybe we don't see that last one. In terms of what we don't see, that's something that probably needs to be addressed. Because if you're going for kind of a mystery story, yeah. there are certain things you don't want to show too much of. And obviously, if there's a person trying to solve a mystery and the show is called Agent 47 or Hitman. I, I would think calling it Hitman Silent Assassin is probably the next easiest way to go because we've already had Hitman. We've already had Hitman Agent 47. Right. Hitman Silent Assassin, especially since that is a title of one of the games, but it is also a focus of the games is to you get the best points if you become a silent assassin in each mission. If you do your mission silently, don't raise any alarms, don't raise any suspicions of people. So calling it a silent assassin is probably the best focus for the series for whatever you're doing next with this IP. Okay, so I just thought of a show that came out in 2009 that was there was an agent trying to solve the mystery and meanwhile most of the time, 
We're watching the mystery happen. We know exactly what's going on and there's someone trying to solve this mystery and it somehow worked. It didn't work for very long. It ran for two seasons, but it's called Dollhouse. Yeah. You have Agent Paul Ballard, played by Tatmo Penniket. He's trying to solve the mystery of the dollhouse, trying to find the dollhouse and everything. And meanwhile, cut to the dollhouse. <laughs> we see every all the operations of the dollhouse and we're focusing most of the time on the dollhouse. And they're doing nefarious things. The entire concept of the dollhouse is extremely problematic to say the least. It's mind wiping. So yeah, we're watching something immoral happening. And meanwhile, cut to this guy trying to solve the mystery that we know everything about. And I think what you're leaning toward is a show in that kind of format. Definitely in that vein. Yeah, definitely in the vein of you have a mission a week. But the overarching plot line of trying to discover if these missions are connected, if these killings are connected, who's financing each one, what's the purpose behind it, etc. Somebody who's trying to put the connective tissue together. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the one thing, though, that was a through line in Dollhouse was the overarching story of the actives, especially one of the actives, the dolls, as they were called. Yes. The mind wiped people kind of rebuilding themselves uh, from the ground up, creating a personality becoming a self-aware person beyond just being a doll yeah exactly and so i guess the parallel there the question that arises with regard to agent 47 is it does agent 47 have an arc is there something that we're over time hoping that agent 47 will do or realize or start to question or or think about or are we just watching this agency chug along uh yes i think I don't know if the arc would come with 47 or not. It might come more with Diana. It might come more with the agency than it does with 47 himself. I'm going to get into a little bit of spoiler territory here. So, listeners, if you have not played the new games and you are interested in the new games, maybe jump ahead a little. But in the newer Hitman games, it is revealed that there is an Agent Smith who also trained with 47 when they were... He's also a clone, basically. But he also has hair somehow. And they're basically discovered that it is revealed in the final cutscene that the reason that Diana works for ICA is that her parents were killed. And then we pull back from that killing from her parents dying and see that it was actually 47 who killed them. Mm. We don't know if she knows that 47 killed her parents. We just know that it was a contract that he did before he joined ICA, or maybe it was through ICA. We don't know, but it was revealed that they have a lot more interconnectivity in their lives than maybe both of them realized. 47 clearly knows that he killed Diana's parents. He seems to be very aware of that and also seems to kind of be breaking down and, and kind of, not having the moral ambiguity anymore because, you know, he's become close with his handler, at least metaphorically, because she's the one constant contact he has in his life. She's the one person that he constantly speaks to. Everybody else is random acquaintances because he's on a mission, meets somebody, takes their clothes, <laughs> knocks them out, kills them, what have you. <laughs> okay. So all of those interactions are very brief. Diana is the one constant in his life because she's his handler. And to realize that they have a past and that he may have done something to kind of influence her life choices is kind of an interesting story. And they kind of left that as a cliffhanger at the end of the most recent game. Handlers was a word that was thrown around on Dollhouse as well. So we're seeing a lot of yes. parallels here. 
So we're dealing with a story on one side centered around the handler and on one side centered around whoever's trying to unravel the conspiracy. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Maybe the conspiracy is not just trying to find out if these kills are connected, but also trying to find out who is paying for those kills, trying to discover that ICA even exists, perhaps, you know, because it is a covert agency. Nobody knows that it's, a, it's an agency that exists it's like men in black. You don't know that they're actually real. <laughs> right. So this person is trying to find out what the agency is. Right. So definitely kind of like two better through lines and the and the growth comes with those characters beyond coming through 47. Although, again, like I said, in the recent games, there may be that hint of I realize I've you know, killed my closest friend because I don't have any close friends. You know, I killed her parents before we became friends. So, okay. So another thing that kind of just popped into my head that I don't know if it's a thread worth pulling, because obviously I know nothing about this IP other than what you're telling me. Basically, a thought that kind of popped into my head was whenever you're dealing with like a mystery and there's clones, you're going to come up to the question of like, Are we going to get into the territory of like a Blade Runner thing where we start to wonder if the person who's trying to solve the mystery is themselves connected to the... So they they tried that in the other Hitman movies. Mm. In the first Hitman movie where he's escorting the, the Russian girl who he was supposed to kill but saved because there's the overarching plot of him trying to be taken out, blah, blah, blah. He runs into other agents, other hitmen. They're all bald. They all have barcodes on the back of their head, and they pull out swords and have a choreographed dual-wielding sword fight in the middle of a train. That was weird, because there's never any moment like that in the game. In the second movie, he's being pursued by an agent, played by Zachary Quinto, <laughs> right, I, I saw in the IMDb page that there he plays John Smith. Yeah. Is that the same Smith you were talking about earlier? It's a different Smith, mm. because Smith is a common name. But he also claims to be trained by the same thing and has, this is the dumbest fucking thing ever, has Kevlar sewn into his skin. <laughs> So that, you know, you think he could kill him halfway through the movie and no, he's back. So he has basically metal armor sewn into his skin so that his skin is impossible to pierce and he's bulletproof, basically. And it's the dumbest fucking thing. Um, (laughs) It it sounds. But yeah, but basically both of these people, there's a lot of this like, oh, I'm an agent, too. And I think absolutely do not do that, because as far as the news guy trying to find them, there can be another assassin who turns out to be like Smith did. You know, you were trying to get ahead of this other assassin and it turns out you're trying to get ahead of Smith because he also has the same target you do. And it turns out that Smith was also trained the same way that you were. And you're trying to take out this other agency. But, you know, that's a better idea than having, like, whoever is really our quote-unquote protagonist in this series being someone who was also trained the way 47 was. I think that's kind of lazy. Yeah. As they proved in the second movie. (laughs) So do you have any particular visionaries you'd like to handle this? I think people who are more adapt to, I guess, basically mystery of the week kind of things and interesting set pieces and making something look unique as far as how the kills are orchestrated. Making the kills look like accidents is one of the best parts of the games. Having somebody drink something that was poisoned and choking or having something fall on them from 
you know, oh, it was badly connected and it was a horrible accident. Somebody got killed by a lighting ring in a fashion show, you know, something like that. Having that be extravagant and really then having it rewind and showing the connective tissue of or maybe just before everything happened, having it show the connective tissue of I say connective tissue a lot this episode, having it shown that Agent 47 is the one that was, you know, rigging everything to look like an accident. I don't know who that would be, though, other than like movie directors who have done things like that, like Steven Soderbergh with the with the Oceans movies. You take like the heist aesthetic, but you plan it towards more elaborate Rube Goldberg killings. <laughs> right. So you're you're looking for someone who does good like puzzle box writing. Yeah, exactly. Or at least who can direct that kind of writing well. But as far as who could play 47, there is only one person in my mind and that is the guy who actually voices him for the games. The actor who has played 47 in every single game over the 17 years that the game has been around actually looks like Agent 47. He's a big dude, he's bald, and he's got that deep voice. He's very British, but when he does 47's character, he affects that persona very well, and I think that would probably be the best person to play him in the TV series. David Bateson, he's played Agent 47 in every single game. Blood Money, Absolution Contract, Silent Assassin, The New Hitman, and a couple other things too. He's an actor who's been in a couple other different things. Looks like mostly British dramas and a couple movies. But yeah, he's a voice actor, but he's also got the physicality. If you ever look at interviews with him about the Hitman games, you're like, that guy should play him in the movies. Because hmm. he looks like 47. So... Definitely, he should be the one playing him in the series. Okay. And beyond that, everybody, when the first movie was even talked about, everybody was like, oh, yeah, Jason Statham should play 47 because he's bald and he's an action guy. Uh, yeah, okay. 47 knows hand-to-hand combat. He doesn't use it unless he messes up. <laughs> right. And Statham turned it down for the first movie. That's how he got Timothy Oliphant. And Timothy Oliphant was okay as the character. Rupert Friend was... All right. He was playing a version of they're not playing the 47 that people who play the games are familiar with. They're playing a more despondent kind of haggard agent who's on the run. And 47 is never on the run. So, right. So I'm going to throw a name out there uh, in terms of writer and it's completely wrong, but I'm just throwing a thought. Because puzzle box storytelling, I'm just going to say Stephen Moffat. Okay. Um, an interesting choice. Is that completely the wrong direction to take? He's he's a polarizing choice. Yeah. Because some people absolutely love what he did on Doctor Who and some people hate it. And some people love what he did with Sherlock and some people absolutely hate it. But there is the puzzle box element that he did with Sherlock, especially that is intriguing. So I think that's not a terrible choice. I do like, because of the way, I mean, I really enjoyed the Sherlock series. I think the way that that was structured as far as the intricacies of, as you call it, puzzle box writing, I think that definitely could be one that could work for this. So yeah, no, that's not a bad choice. Maybe also whomever wrote, if you're going on a Sherlock bend, whomever wrote the Guy Ritchie Sherlock movies, because those definitely have good puzzle box elements to them. Oh, there's a lot of writers. (laughs) Yeah, Michael Robert Johnson, Anthony Peckham, Simon Kinberg, Lionel Wigram. That was for the first one. Game of Shadows was written by 
Kieran Mulroney and Michelle Mulroney. Simon Kinberg, he's the name out of those that I recognize. Yeah, he wrote Fan Stick. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> all right, maybe not. <laughs> well, he's written some good stuff, too, I think, probably. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He's a name that's been around for a bunch. Simon Kinberg is the director of Dark Phoenix. He is, really. Neat. But yeah, basically getting some writers who have that kind of puzzle box feel to their writing, as you pointed out, Stephen Moffat from the Sherlock TV series, some of the writers for the Sherlock films, but also, you know, somebody who has a good aesthetic for interlocking mystery storylines. Atomic Blonde, while it has the same action feel of the John Wick movies, is based on a comic book called The Coldest City, and that is an overarching double agent, kind of almost a triple agent storyline about the Cold War and the fall of the Berlin Wall, and got adapted into a movie called Atomic Blonde, and so the overarching kind of intrigue plot of that is very interesting, and that was that got handled very well on the screen, I think. Mm. It got a little confusing in, in certain parts, but honestly, I think uh, whomever wrote that would also be a good person to adapt this to a teleplay. We may have said all we can say about this. I mean, obviously, I have very <laughs> little to say about it because I've done no research. <laughs> yeah, but what it boils down to is I really enjoy these games and the two adaptations that we've got of these in film have not been good and I want to see the property done justice. The character, sure, done justice, I would like to see, but I'd also like to see something I find as interesting as I find the games. And the interlocking storylines, especially of the newer games, the the soft reboot that the games have been given with the two newer games, Hitman and Hitman 2, basically essentially Hitman Season 1 and Hitman Season 2, as they were released anyway, is seems to be ideal for a television format since they were released episodically, the first one anyway. So I think that probably would be the best way to deal with this as a series, rather than just some giant blockbuster movie that has actually that is totally non-congruent with the property itself. Right. And that's all I can really say about it. (laughs) And I don't think I have any questions because it sounds like what it should be is something in vaguely the format of something like Dollhouse. Yeah. Where you're dealing with this murky territory and you've got two sides kind of meeting somewhere and you've got someone kind of going after it and you got some stuff going on on the inside. Yeah. But not necessarily with the hitman himself. The hitman would be more of a almost a prop in the story. Yeah. Hitman is more the mystery himself, you know. Right. A plot device more than a character, perhaps. Yes, exactly. And the characters would be the people dealing with this plot device, people interacting with the hitman, people looking for the hitman and so on. People killed by the hitman. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That would be a form of interaction. (laughs) Albeit brief. And one-sided, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so that seems like a better through line to take for a series like this. So, if you have any ideas that you'd like to contribute to our Hitman story, or perhaps something that you think we should talk about on this very show, you can send us an email to ipconsultantspodcast.com at gmail.com. You can also tweet to us your suggestions or comments about the show at Twitter at IPConsultPod. You can also find us on Facebook.com slash IPConsultPod to send us any suggestions or comments or leave us a review on iTunes. You can find the show now on iTunes. Just search for IP Consultants and it'll come up. 
Of course, it's always on ipconsultants.podbean.com, and the newer episodes are also all up on YouTube. And... They are no longer going to be going up regularly on SoundCloud because we can have two episodes up at a time and I fell behind and it seems kind of pointless to even put them there. <laughs> so, yeah, no more SoundCloud. We are... I haven't even been plugging SoundCloud at the end of the episode. Yeah, so. <laughs> uh, we're, we're continuing to put them up on Podbean and YouTube and we're going to go bi-weekly, right? Yeah, by the time this episode airs, we'll have already gone bi-weekly, so... Yeah, for those who don't know, bi-weekly does not mean twice a week. It means two weeks. <laughs> but yes, once again, my name is Ian. And my name is Agent Vincent. <laughs> and uh, thanks for listening. Have a tasteful tuna. And then kill it.